just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's up then guys, it's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dawson Mackay. Next Level Guy is a go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Cody McLean. Cody is the founder of Support Ninja the host of the Mindhack podcast, and is now a successful author when he released the acclaimed From Foster Care to Millionaire. He founded his first company at just 15 years old in his parents' basement. Since then, Cody has gone on to build and sell for companies which have grossed in the millions of profit. He did all this within his first 10 years. The companies he has founded have included hosting, software and support-based companies, which have offices around the world and serve customers in over 100 plus countries. Today, Cody blogs regularly on his website, CodyMcLean.com, and runs a creative digital agency alongside a BPO, which is a business process outsourcing company. However, this doesn't really reflect Cody as a person. He's made an amazing transformation. In this deep dive interview, we discuss his rich and inspirational life, how he went from losing his parents, his upbringing in a poor family, and at a young age, after entering the foster care, he changed himself, worked on himself, and ended up creating several million-pound businesses. We chat about business, psychology, motivation, productivity, how you can build effective teams and processes, how you can ensure your habits are actually helping you rather than hindering you, effective time use, and most importantly, why and how you can find the why in your life that you need to succeed in business and in your own life. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. I've become a big fan of yours since I found your podcast. Then I found about your story that, you know, that somebody creating multi-million pound businesses at such an early age is so inspiring. But for people who don't know you, you know, who maybe don't recognize the name, could you just give a quick sort of overview? I mean, I would call you a natural entrepreneur. What Mm. would you sort of distinguish yourself as? Yes, so it's... I started my first business when I was around 15. And I guess the the interesting thing that separates me from most other, say, young entrepreneurs is I lost both my parents before I turned 18. So there was a part of my story where I was actually running my business in foster care. And that was that was a challenging time for sure. And you know, I dropped out of high school. The only thing I really had was my business. My my family had died much younger uh, throughout childhood. So I have a lot of uh, childhood trauma, you could say. And went on to to start a start I started multiple businesses. Many of them were, were web hosting businesses. Some of them failed, and there is one in particular that didn't. Pacific Host, and so I was able to sell that one for a little less than a million dollars. And then I kind of went off for a year and just tried to explore myself because I was so focused on the business. Uh, I learned how to fly an airplane, got a private pilot's license, learned how to scuba dive, went rescue diving, uh, wreck diving. 
uh, went into photography, started traveling around the world and just tried to, to enter that, that realm of self-development and trying to achieve some things that I once thought was, I would never be able to achieve that I was too stupid, too dumb to actually ever get to. And then I ended up starting a business, uh, around 2015 called support ninja. And that's been my most successful business since. Uh, where we're, we hit around a little less than nine million in annual revenue last year. We were number eighty-six on the Inc. five hundred, and uh, we have over six hundred employees right now. So that's been wildly successful, uh, way way more than I imagined I was actually even capable of. And you know, here we are today. I, I wrote a book, uh, published it a little bit, I think, in late twenty eighteen. That was called "From Foster Care to Millionaire." And it really details my story growing up because I had the, uh, you know, it's it's one thing, we all get to the point where you have a fancy car you, or not everybody, but we, we all strive these things, you know, to have a big house, to have a nice car, to have uh, a great relationship and friends and, and all those things. But it's it's one thing when you actually get there, you find that it's not fulfilling. You know, you're not happy, and you end up being less happy once you achieve those things, like that, like lottery effect. I'm sure we're all familiar with it. You know, we're all told that whenever you win the lottery, your happiness is actually less, and you have way more problems. But we still all want to win the lottery, and to to get to a point now where I've I've achieved material success and all these other things, I went back and asked, you know, what is my why? What is you know, as Simon Sinek would say, uh, what is my my motivation and wanting to inspire youth and those who are in a, in a trouble background or who are in a poor upbringing, that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you're fully capable of achieving anything you want in life. Because I once thought all the negative things that and almost any kid is going to think about themselves. I was bullied in school. I never fit in. Uh, I, I was in the lowest classes. I was not in AP classes. And so that's that's kind of what I want to do with my my story, my book. And now I'm at a point where I have a podcast called the Mindhack Podcast. And the idea is to interview other successful people and not necessarily find out what is their current business that makes them successful, but what is their ideologies, their mindset, their experiences that allowed them to become the person that they are today. Because we always end up idolizing the person and not really understanding who, who they had to go, you know, what experiences they had to go through in order to become the person they are today. So that's kind of in a, in a brief snippet there. No, that's brilliant. I mean, I, I was really, I was um, very saddened to hear about the story about what you, you know, your your parents. But you've made such an amazing achievements. You've done some amazing things, and it it's been really interesting when I've been researching you to under, to sort of find out that you know that you had the sort of emotional hang ups that you had mentioned that you didn't feel like you could be loved that you've been bullied in primary school. You know, it kind of made me realize it's like we had a kind of similar sort of emotional hang-ups and it's in, it was good to see that somebody could turn it around and use that as like a sort of motivational juice. Was that what you kind of used it for, do you think? Was it a kind of, did it kind of just not inspire, but kind of did that drive you on to, to achieve something in life to, you know, because like most people when they want to make money, they just go and mow a lawn or something like that. But, you know, you created, um, you wanted to buy like an Xbox. So you went and created a hosting company. You know, this is not a, kind of nor- a normal thing for a kid to do. What were you like as a kid? You know, what kind of motivations did you have? Did you, was this because of the Asperger's that you struggled like social interactions? Were you like me? Were you quite introverted? Or, you know, what was the young Cody like? 
So uh, we, we moved around as a kid and I never really got a chance to stick with one particular school growing up. But when I started the business, it was actually a friend who had the idea of starting a business, but I was a poor kid that went to a rich school. And so there was always this black and white. You'd see these Mercedes Benz, these BMWs. And so in some sense, I'm lucky in that I was exposed to what wealth is and you know, having to deal with that stigma of being this kid who was picked on because he wore clothes from Goodwill and the same clothes every single day. And I would say at first when I started the business, uh, it, it was really motivated by wanting to prove to to my my closest friend Calvin that I could be better than him that I didn't need my parents money in order to become successful and that's really what that that motivated me that gave me this this incredible drive to every every day after I'd come home from school I would just get on the computer and I would figure out okay what what do I need to do today in order to to grow my business uh, what do I need to learn what are my competitors doing what forms do I need to advertise on what what things should I modify about my website to increase sales what are the current issues it was just that was that as soon as my business was there that was all my mind focused on was I have to be successful I, I need to prove to these rich kids that I can be better than them. And it was an interesting turn point when I finally was able to prove to, uh, to actually even it was Calvin actually uh, that I, I was able to drive a BMW and be, it, it was actually kind of an empty feeling though, to, to, to be quite honest. But looking back in retrospect and hindsight, uh, I would say it was initially I was motivated by, by just wanting to prove to others that I could be successful, that I, and I found something that for the first time in my life, I felt like I could, I could figure out, uh, you know, whenever you grow up in school, you you go to a, maybe you're good at sports or maybe you're good at, at, uh, math or spelling competition or something, you know, you, you find something and you, you tend to stick to it and you tend to master it. And I, I wasn't really able to do that with any particular subject area in school. And, you know, as you said, I have Asperger's, I later figured it out. So I really wasn't able to fit in and I was always wondering why. Um, and then in my later years, once I had a decent amount of success, once I had already dropped out of high school and I had proven to others and I had proven to myself that I could have some level of success, then it was really motivated by fear because I came to this realization where I, I was screwed over multiple times. Uh, you know, I've had shitty business partners. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say shitty, but oh, sorry. No, no, go Whatever. for it. And I've, I've had, I had to, one thing I would say is certainly never go into a 50-50 relationship with another business partner. Uh, it's always it's always a mistake, and uh, ended up having uh, multiple failed relationships, and I've had multiple failed businesses. And there is this fear of you know what if what happens if I can't support myself financially? You know I don't have parents. I can't go live with my parents. I can't go be in their basement. I don't have any other family members who can actually support me. And so it was really driven by fear of I need to be successful. And then that led to repeated burnout, and you know that's still an issue that I'm I'm honestly still dealing with today. Uh, but I think that kind of explains it. That in in my hindsight, when I've done a lot of thinking about uh, what was what was my primary driver, is I didn't have the option. I didn't have a plan B, you know. And uh, wow. when when I was going to school, uh, Calvin actually wanted to prove to me that he could also build a successful business because he was the kind of friend where. I once bought a printer with a little LCD screen on it. And I said, Hey, do you like my printer? And he was like, yeah, but mine's better. You know, the one that his mom bought him. And so he was always trying to one up me. And he also tried to do that with a business. And this was around the time that the, the Kim 
that the Kim guy from Mega Uploader was getting successful. So he built his own version of the torrent like uploading site. And then uh, it actually had to get shut down because of all the DMCA complaints about all the illegal uh, downloading that was taking place. Uh, but he gave up because he knew that he would be able to be supported by his parents. And for me, I didn't have that option. And so it's it's that that case of, of Cortez who going over from Spain into South America, he burnt his ships, you know, and he didn't have any other option for his men to retreat. And so the only way is really going forward. And I'm not sure if that's a piece of advice I can give to somebody of like, you know, a kid growing up of like, if you really want to be motivated to like have success, kill off any and all relationships that could potentially financially support you. And I guarantee you that you will be driven to succeed. It's something though that, you know, a lot of people that is something that sort of holds them back is that they have that too big a fail safe, you know, that, you know, yes, you started it for the sort of negative reason, but you quickly realized like I did that, you know, just getting back at the bullies isn't enough you start realizing that you want more from life and you find out that these sort of people are usually the ones with the biggest hang-ups they're the ones with the biggest sort of the problems but i mean you you encountered um some really serious grief at such a young age how did you let that sort of not destroy you and how did you let it you know sort of almost push you in was it the fact that you fell into that sort of competition with your friend and you kind of just focused solely on that and it helped you through was it kind of was it like a, a helpful you know did it help you at all during that period by focusing on the, the business or did when eventually catch up with you did the pain kind of intensify because I did similar when a grandparent was dying with cancer. I focused solely on a relationship with a girlfriend. And when I eventually felt the pain, it was like tenfold. Mm. You know, how, how did you experience that time, you know, like, and then the foster care situation? How did you, you know, what do you remember from that time? And is there anything that kind of like a positive that you took from it or a way of dealing with emotional pain and grief that you use today so so that, that brought up the uh the thought about the book called the time paradox which i think is a fascinating book that is a, a way to delve into your your present way of thinking and determining are you thinking from like a, a past experiences or future or present or, or hedonistic? And there's, there's a way, there's an optimal way of thinking that includes looking at your past in a positive perspective. And I think in some ways we all, we have a mix of looking at our past and a past, you know, a negative or, or positive. And, and it's, it's hard to say uh, I've had some, a, a lot of my business is, at the time it was a distraction. It was, I remember that the night that my, my mother died is I, I watched a little bit of a movie and then I went back and I did some work and it was really, the business was kind of like my emotional support animal in a way. And it, in, in my later years, I would actually say a, a lot of the trauma from childhood actually kind of came up uh, rearing its ugly head after I had had this success with my current company support ninja because for once in my life i'm not having to 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 
to survive on stress and and hormones of of all of the this this rush of I have to be successful or else I'm not going to be able to support myself. You know, once that got out of the way, once I've had this incredible success, it's it's actually been hard to motivate myself. And and a lot of that trauma is now something I'm having to deal with, uh, partially through therapy. Also, I've been trying EMDR, which is a way of uh, to use for PTSD with soldiers to try and desensitize memories and. It, it can be initially I was thinking like, you know, how can this be trauma? Because there's nothing in particular, not a specific point that I would say was really super traumatic. You know, I think I, I would actually say it was actually running a business where I was being sued over the ownership of that business. And that took, took a year, uh, a, a year to settle that lawsuit. And that was actually more traumatic than say my, my mother dying, for example, because at least, you know, it, it was, you know, binary, it was before and after, and you, you had to deal with the grief after the incident. And with my business, it was something I was working on for two years at that point. And this guy sued us claiming that he owned the business for various, uh, random reasons of, of contract that you can read in my book if you're interested. And that, that just killed me inside because now every day I'm having to work on this thing that may or may not be mine. And that was, that, that, that's huge. Like you're, you're, you're feel, it felt like it was taking apart my soul from me and having to live with that every single day was torture. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure uh, if I answered your question or not. Just going at a ramble. I mean, how how do you find that sort of style of therapy? I mean, I've I've done um, cognitive behavior therapy, you know, like talk like the talk therapy, I think they call it in the states, and I really liked it because you've mentioned in another interview about the feeling of never being good enough, never being able to be successful or be loved, and. You know, I find I think that's a lot a mindset that really sort of holds people back to starting businesses or going after their dreams. You know, the fact they think that they can't be successful, that you know they can't be the person that starts the next Facebook or the next hosting company or whatever. We assume that we're not good enough that it's laughable for us to do it, but the Tom Dick or Harry in the next street could do it. How did you switch that mindset off? You know. How I just when I, in my darkest days, I I would have found it difficult to create a business during those times. But you you used it. I mean, was it knowing that you didn't have that fallback situation? Was it knowing that you had to support yourself and go for it? Well, was there the fear at all there of failing, or were you just that focused solely on going forward that it was inevitable almost? You know, the, the fear was constant without a doubt uh, that I was going to fail. And, and that was at the same time, it's like having your back against the wall. You know, it's like every time you're, you're in, a, in, a, in a bad situation, that, that fight or flight kicks in. And, uh, and, and for me, you know, a, a lot of people think fight or flight of like, uh, like, oh, there's something terrible about to happen. I need to do something. You know, some people may freeze if there's like a wild animal or some people may run, you know, and that's a typical way that we think of that. But you can also think of that in, in a long-term setting. And, and for me, it was just, I have to work on this business. Like the, the business consumed me. It was all I, I, I thought about, I would, I would dream about it. I would dream of the, of the success. I would watch documentaries on what other successful people were doing and, and, I idolized that, you know, and I, I idolized all these things that I desired. And then I, it just kind of fed into, into me that I have to work on this. I have to make this successful. Uh, and so that, that fear was, was constant, you know, but 
it's, it's, um, the, the business itself was also a distraction. So it was, it was my only way out that I saw. And it was the, just what I continued to, to work on. Uh, yeah, it wasn't an easy process, especially now to the point where I don't have to worry about all these things. And it's, it's even harder to work now because I, I'm not in that constantly stressed out mode that I have to find new ways, uh, a, a new why and a new meaning behind the work that I'm doing today versus the one that I was doing, say, 10 years ago, trying to get out of this the struggle of supporting myself financially and not having to worry about paying rent, not having to worry about being homeless, uh, and, and not to mention this, all driven by partially this, this fear of, of being a high school dropout and then feeling like I just can't be employed because I'm kind of a, a weird person. I'm, a, I'm really hard to work with. I'm not much of a team player. Uh, but in some way, I guess, I guess I found my why, you know, like Victor Frankel on Man's Search for Meaning said, you know, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. And, you know, that my, my why was to be successful, to, to build a successful business. My back was against the wall. I had to fight. And that's exactly what I did. And I did that for years on end. Uh, and so now I'm at a point almost about to turn 30 uh, where I've, I've been burned out, you know, trying to find out how can I work without being driven by this constant, uh, adrenaline, this fight or flight mode. I, I love that sort of quote and that way of looking at it. And it, it's quite interesting, like that sort of paradigm sh- shift where suddenly you become successful after spending so long there. And it's our way of our brains kind of say, Ah, we don't know what to do now. You know, it's mm-hmm. so there needs to find that. I mean, how did you deal with that? Like finding your why. You know, like is that why you, you think support ninja, for example, has been better than like a bigger sort of draw to you than other businesses? That it's fitting in more into your why in life, or is this just you know was it a better market or you know how did you find your why? to create such a, a, a such a large scale business that's doing so well. So I, I think in some ways I'm still trying to find my why, but the the one that I stick to is is every time I've had a conversation with somebody that was enlightening or I've had somebody read a blog post uh, or, or listen to something I said and, and tell me that it helped them, you know, that gives that special kind of feeling that I'm I'm making an impact, I'm having a difference in the world. And, and for Support Ninja, it was, I, I, have an, I have an opportunity to make an impact to people in a third world country, and that is, that is impactful by itself. Uh, but the idea to start the business was largely driven by seeing a, a need in the market, seeing that an untapped potential. And that's really, that was really all my businesses is even though they, they were in existing markets, I found a niche within that market and I exploited it. And that's the same situation I am here today with Support Ninja. So it's it's doing incredibly well, uh, but it's also thanks to finding the right people. Uh, you know, there's like the, the quote uh, about getting first having to find the right people, and then finding making sure that they're sitting in the right seats in the bus. Uh, and that's that's something I've been I've been able to do fairly well with Support Ninja after years and years of trial and error and you know i'm still not perfect and i still had a lot of self-doubt feeling like i'm not going to be able to be successful with this business because the only other business i had done up to this point was web hosting and it was really just the same kind of business just slightly different and i feel like everybody can get into this mode you know there's every entrepreneur out there who still doubts that maybe they're a one-hit wonder maybe they're not going to be successful again and in some ways that you you also have the people who are really optimistic 
optimistic and they're just overly optimistic. And I feel like you can find a way to, to be somewhere in the middle where you can recognize that, you know, you're going into an unexplored area that your talents are not necessarily, you know, you're outside of your, your zone of your bubble of comfort, but you need to, to do that in order to grow in order to find new things. And so I did that with support ninja and luckily it's been successful, but you know, there's no guarantee that my next venture is not going to be, is, is going to be successful, but you just have to keep on trying. And I feel like it's just way too easy nowadays just to give up. You know, we're, we're in not the age of Instagram. We're in the age of TikTok, where it's just, everybody's ADHD. And it's just so easy to feel like, oh, I tried this and I'm not good at it. I'm going to try something else. Uh, but it just really comes back to, to, to grit. You know, there's so many books written on grit and resilience and you just have to stick with it. And that's effectively what I did. And I was just motivated by having my back against the wall. Um, you know, and it's an, it's an experience I, I wouldn't wish on, on anybody, uh, you know, and it's, it's some people look at me and they, they look at my success and they're like, Oh, I wish I was him, you know, and I, guarantee you, you do not want to be me. It's like, I still live with so much trauma that I'm still dealing with. And it's, it's not an easy life, you know, uh, and I, I hope it'll get easier in the future. Um, and for, for, for right now, I'm, I'm just dealing with it and I'm, I'm finding my why that's giving me the desire to wake up every day. Um, I've struggled through depression and, and lots of stress and anxiety. So to, to get to this point, I feel like in some ways it's a miracle and I can just only hope that, you know, during my short life and this, this sh short existence that I'll be able to have some kind of a positive impact on others, because that would be a, a why that would motivate me. It's great that you're finding a why that can help others and give back. And, you know, it's been having gone through depression myself, I would never wish that on anybody. And it, it's, I find it's interesting that, you know, that you're struggling with your own self opinion because I mean, I find you such like a likable guy. And like, every, I, I was almost like, I feel like I know you from your podcast, you know, and it's, you, you realize it's like, we don't like ourselves. But it's you can only truly love others by loving yourself, exactly. and it's it's good to know, or to sort of not good to know, but it's good to sort of share that becoming successful will not fix like as as a person. We need to find that thing that makes us truly happy that and accept you know the kind of things that have happened and do it. So this why you know like what was it about that's like helping the third world and that sort of thing. What was it initially that sort of drew you? How did you find that when you were looking? Was it just something that you've always wanted to give back to others, to help others? And this gave you the opportunity and that sort of marketplace to do it? So, so there, there's this video on YouTube. Uh, you know, I kind of became a nihilist for a little bit of a period of time. And there's a video called Optimistic Nihilism, which if you haven't watched it, it's fantastic, which it basically says that uh, our existence is meaningless. But that means that we can choose what is meaningful to us. And honestly, I spent a lot of time thinking about what is meaningful to me because I've, I've kind of checked off all the boxes, uh, like have a book, uh, travel the world, uh, have nice cars, uh, have, have pretty much everything you could possibly want. You know, and at the end of the day, I still wound up empty. And I'm just lucky, lucky in the sense that I was kind of shoved into adulthood at a very early age. So, you know, now that I'm entering almost my 30s is that I've, I've probably experienced what most people would get to at maybe a 45 or 50 year old. And it's just something where I've kind of realized, as we all do, that all these things that I once fought so hard to work for are meaningless. 
and they don't make me successful. Uh, there, there's a, a, a friend I know who she used to be a cancer surgeon in Brazil, and she, she would actually remove cancer. And you would think, wow, that would give you a lot of meaning. But no, she, she hated the job. She was like so burnt out. And now she's a life coach. And so it, it doesn't mean just because you feel like maybe you're a doctor or you're, you're doing something that a society looks on in general as like a positive thing for society, it doesn't mean that it's going to fulfill you. And so going back, to, I, I spent a lot of time thinking, what is what can I do? And I looked at some of the most successful people in the world. So you have, say, like Bill Gates and Elon Musk. And so Bill Gates is helping people in the present. He's helping to cure malaria. He's helping to solve sewage issues around the, the world and um, looking at infectious diseases as we as we are having now. And then you look at Elon Musk, who's helping people in the future with uh, electric cars, looking at uh, how to save the planet, how like to, to teleport our, our species to another planet. Uh, and so they're either helping others in the present or helping others in the future. And from that, I was able to then ask myself, well, what would be something that I can relate the most to? And you end up having a lot of people where I know other entrepreneurs who suffer from cerebral palsy and, and other various issues growing up. And it tends that you, you tend to find a group that went, is going through an experience that you went through in some respect as well. And so I was able to ask myself, well, uh, it's not necessarily the foster care system, because even though I use that as my book title, I really wasn't in foster care for a very long period of time. And so it's not something that I would say I specifically am a foster care kid. Uh, but I look at any any kid who grows up and feels like they're they're the odd one out, that they're bullied, that they don't have any friends, and and then you you have so many kids growing up nowadays where they they end up with just such low self esteem. And there's there's a great Netflix documentary I always forget the name that really shows over how like young boys you know they can't cry in front of other uh, in front of their their friends because they'll get made fun of. And you end up having like girls can in some ways do that, but you end up having a lot of young boys who have to grow up and have this, they repress their emotions and they go into lots of bad things in adulthood because they're not taught in school, in school, how to deal with these things. And so in some ways, that's the kind of impact I'm, I'm aiming towards. I'm trying to figure out some of the stuff at my, at my own level, but it's, it's, kind of the thing I, I think I relate to is, you know, you find something, uh, a generation, a culture, a, a group that you feel like you can have an impact because you can relate to them. You can understand what it was like to be in their shoes. And so that's kind of at least currently my why, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to do that. And so that's still an ongoing journey, but that is uh, kind of where I'm at. It's a, it's a fantastic why, you know, to sort of give back and help the people who are going through the similar situation. And I know what you mean about the, like, guys are told to sort of man up, to never show emotion, to be the leader of the pack, and all this sort of toxic masculinity stuff. And yes, that we do go too far in some ways, like, you know, to, to the extremes in both situations, but we don't. We don't allow guys to understand that yet they can be vulnerable, they can be emotional, they can talk and explain. I mean, I was ashamed for ages to admit that I, I had depression, I had to be on antidepressants and stuff like that. And, you know, I kind of figured out my own and kind of it was a rough road to figure out who I was and what I wanted from life. But not a lot of guys get that. And we're in this situation of, like you're saying, it's the ah, well, I'll give that a try. No, I'll go off something else. There's, there's too many options. We're not taught to kind of 
to continue to get it out and to fight and really push and work for what we want. We're taught, you know, we give participation trophies and things like that now. Right. We're never, you never have to work for what you want right. from life. Where do you see guys going wrong? Is it that everybody wants to create like the next Facebook? They all want to create the next big app, the next big startup. Nobody's willing to just but create a bricks and mortar business or you know a simple business just to make the money and then they use that money later for their social like endeavors have you know are people thinking now too big that some people are just lost sense of reality almost when they set up a business yeah you know like as i mentioned earlier like tiktok is you know we we're having young kids now who are growing up on their phone, seeing what other successful people have, and then desiring to have that life. And that is creating, uh, I mean, in some ways, a level of motivation to to try and have have the success, uh, but it's causing a lot of uh, unhappiness in the same respect, because not everybody can do that. And certainly, uh, even though the, all the experiences that I went through, even though that my back was against the wall and I told myself I had to be successful or else, you know, I don't know what the option, what the plan B was going to be, but there was certainly luck was a factor in my success as it is today. And, you know, and who knows, I might lose all of it tomorrow. You know, I, I, I honestly don't know. And I have to be willing and able to still be able to, to, to love myself, even if that does happen. Uh, and, and so, I mean, so, so I, I think you also have to ask, why are you creating this business? And I, I went through, there's, there's a period where I was thinking, you know, so I think, you know, I have one success and I think, okay, I can be successful multiple times over. And so one of the things I was doing is I actually created a, a, a range of, of flash video game websites. So, so flash video games like on the computer used to be really big. And, and sometimes they still are, because if you, if you're like a high school or middle school student, you say you're in computer class or you've got a laptop, you can find websites where you can play games in that are not blocked. And that used to be kind of a way to make money through selling ads. So I thought, okay, let me create a website. And I ended up creating multi multiple websites, like up to 10 different websites, trying to follow this, this online marketing approach of like just building, building traffic to websites and generating money through ads and just thinking that, you know, it's going to flow right in. And once I started to go beyond my first website, I really lost the motivation and it was really hard to get myself. It's sort of like I know what I needed to do, but I just couldn't get myself to do it. And I was actually talking to an entrepreneur the other day who has who who actually he has a, a business where he generates hundred thousand dollars a year on a blog. And believe it or not, that's not as difficult as it may sound to do in today's world. But he can't get himself to write anymore, and he just feels stuck, and he doesn't really know what to do. And I think my my best advice is well. You, you know the process, hire somebody else in Upwork who can actually try and do the content for you so that you're not struggling. Because if you're, if you're trying to sit there and still trying to get yourself to write content because you know that's what you've been doing for the past six months to become successful, you're just going to go and burn out. You're just going to, you're going to get depressed. You're going to continue this, this negative feedback cycle where you're going to be trying to work and you can't get yourself to work. And you, it just gets worse and worse and worse until you until who knows what happens. Uh, so that can, that can happen. And you have to be aware of that. And you have to realize that you're not a robot. And just because you've, you found success in something doesn't mean that you can just, you know, multiply that by times 10 and that you're going to have all the success in, in multiple industries or be able to replicate that success as like a template is sort of what I thought. Uh, and that's, it's, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's 
my ramblings. <laughs> it's it's like that equation, isn't it? It's like you know, step one, set up a website. Step two, name your business, and then it's like step fifteen, profit. Yeah. But no, they never seem to know what's coming in between that. So how do you analyze a market then? Because you said that you, you know, before that you looked at the market, you saw that there was a niche there, you saw that there was a, a good deal of customers. What kind of tools do you use? What are you looking for when you're creating these businesses? Because you always seem to just hit perfect into that slot of what's needed. How, how do you seem to analyze the market, see what customers are going to pay, you know, do you just sound it out by asking people or do you use certain tools? Are you looking for Google hits? Are you like, what, what advice would you give to somebody just now who's wanting to create their own business but not sure exactly how to go about it? So, so I can say for sure, like tools are, are totally overrated. Software is totally overrated. Uh, I would get obsessed over which which to do software am I using and I would constantly be switching or like, am I using the right project management system or the right content management system uh, or the right blog software? And uh, that's the wrong style of thinking. But with, with most of the businesses, so I, I grew up uh, not learning how to code. And I told myself, so this is one of the things I told myself is that I, I'm not good at coding because I'm not good at math, you know, and certainly I wish I, I learned how to code when I was growing up, but, you know, you've got that Chinese proverb, uh, you, you wish you had planted a, tea, a, a tree 10 years ago, but, you know, the second best time to start is today. And so I'm, I'm actually in the process of learning how to code now. And, and as a result, the way that I was thinking about all the businesses was based on what are online services that I can provide in my basement as a 15-year-old using my mother's social security number and a credit to actually be able to process credit cards. And apart from, say, in today's world where you have a lot of online internet marketers, and unfortunately, it's, it also causes a lot of like scammy internet marketers, like, here's, mm-hmm. my, here's my Ferrari in my garage, and you can have <laughs> this too, et cetera, right? And uh, so... I, I, I didn't like the idea of, of selling information because uh, it's really, uh, it's kind of an, uh, it's, it's a kind of a gray area in some respects, unless you know what you're doing and you, you know, you have confidence in the information that you're selling or you're, you're truly an expert in that area. And so the, the thing I defaulted to was web hosting because you could easily sign up for 25 bucks a month at hostgator.com or bluehost.com. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have probably heard of these companies and you could resell web hosting. Just the only thing is that the odds are really stacked against you because web hosting has really become a commodity. So when I sold my last company, I sold it partially because I really wasn't feeling confident that it was able to continue growing it because my revenue numbers kind of just flatlined and I was kind of really unsure with myself and I was really scared. And in some respects, I was also felt like I'm kind of selling my baby, you know, and I've worked so hard to create this, but I had to let it go. And at some point you had to let go of everything that you do, even if it's constantly generating money for you without you having to do any input, uh, because it's always going to take mental energy uh, in, in terms of your daily processing. It's always going to be on the back of your mind. And when it came to support Ninja, I was really scared because I was running out of money and I didn't know uh, what I wanted to do. I was thinking I was going to do another web hosting company. I was going to do like a cloud hosting similar to, to DigitalOcean. But really after doing the numbers, uh, the, the margins would just be so slim. Even if I bought my own servers and I was co-locating in a data center, it would be just really hard to, to guarantee that I could make money in the sea of, of other people offering something very, very similar. And so it's it's hosting has become a commodity. It's not the same it was you know, 15 years ago when I started 
And I was asking myself, well, what can I do? You know, and I, I always wanted to work with startups, but I, there's an inherent risk in trying to build something new. You know, even if I knew how to code, I, I don't think I would have tried to build a monumental Facebook or next Uber because that's it's a really something you really have to be lucky with. And I think luck plays a, a huge, huge factor in the bigger successes than most people really realize. And you, you have a lot of people who end up making money just by selling 99 cent apps on the app store, you know? And I, I asked myself, well, what is my, my skill set? Well, I had to deal with a lot of uh, upset, ungruly customers for years on end, having to, to learn how to deal with them and, and offer customer service and being in that world. And so I looked at something I didn't previously see as a skill set. And I, I recognized that, wait, there's a lot of startups who, are, who need customer support. You know, every company needs some kind of customer support. And yet a lot of the outsourcing industry, they weren't specifically tailoring to startups. It really wasn't like building a website that was targeting like outsourcing for startups. And so that was really the, the, the tagline is, is outsourcing for startups. And that's pretty much what I did. Uh, I, I really had no idea what I was doing at first as I built the website and I didn't really invest a whole lot of money until, uh, until we actually got our first client. And, and the way that we got our first client is we just lied our asses off. And I was pretty much pretending to have all these things that we really didn't. And it was after that call of like, okay, I want three agents. Then I flew over to the Philippines and I started looking around at the different call centers and I actually started to co-locate. So I found a, a partner and I... I thought we would we would vibe, and he agreed to effectively white label his agents. He were employed by his Philippine company, and then they would pretend to be from my company for this client. And then through that, slowly we started to to create these processes where we were able to hire and more agents and establish uh, more business, and it just kind of grew from there. And it certainly wasn't an easy process. It's certainly not what I'd ever want to go through again. And you know, it's it's just the just the market that I saw is is the the desire to work with startups, the recognition of a unrecon of, of a previously unrecognized skill set of of pro providing customer service to to thousands of customers through my previous businesses, and actually seeing that as a skill set, and then figuring out okay, well, what do I need to offer? And oh, uh, outsourcing for startups, and then we were able to rank for that key term like number one for for the longest time, and. Uh, now we have a sales team. We have huge departments, and yeah, hard to hard to have gotten here. So I'm very grateful that we've been able to do it. No, it's a, it's amazing listening to success. I mean, I've seen it kind of blossomed over the last sort of five odd years. You know, it's um, since I've kind of got into the podcasting world and I've started to look at these kind of companies and you know, sort of seen how I might work with these companies in the future. I, I kind of. It's interesting to see companies have, have how they progressed over time, but I mean this one of the big things I see with you with your skill set is you're very great at networking. You're very good at finding the people yeah. to go into the roles, and you know you needed somebody that can code, so you go and find somebody. You need somebody that can put you in touch with certain personnel for your clients. You seem to be very good at looking at the problems very analytically. You know, kind of saying. How do I find the person with that skill set, that experience that can then allow me to fix that problem? You know, you're not one of these people who tries to do everything by yourself and ends up fucking it all up. You seem to be somebody that's very good at where's the problems, what do I need, finding that, putting it in. Because you said, I think you said in another interview, 
that you didn't rate yourself as a leader. You just liked being the person that set them up. You know, you didn't want, you wanted to have minimal sort of interaction with it. It was just kind of a set and leave kind of businesses. How, how, what advice would you give to people listening for finding the right people? You know, especially companies uh, like who are working with people in Thailand, China, where you're not going to be interacting with these companies on a daily basis. How do we network and find the right people to assist us in setting these businesses up? So, uh, so I mean, you could certainly read a lot of books on hiring, and I, I certainly would not consider myself a super networker. I, I'm, an, I'm an introvert and somebody who has trouble really even ascertaining basic emotions until I actually took courses and learning what they, you know, how to how to code that. But the 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 biggest thing is, I mean, I ended up hiring a lot of people in the past who who screwed me over and just were not very good uh, in terms of their their overall output or 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 contributions to to the business. So it, it was partially through a lot of experience. What what I would give is to say it's better to hire uh, quickly and then and then to fire. So even when it's going through through hiring agents in the Philippines, uh, my my mindset is always to say even hire say two agents and try and put them against each other and see which one performs better. And it, it's sometimes you can have really good intuition and sometimes it just doesn't work out for one reason or another. And the the best thing was always just to hire as as many people as possible, try them out. And if it doesn't work, find somebody else. But I, I was never really like a super networker because there's a lot of people in the entrepreneur world who are people that like to network all the time. And they're always going out to events. They're always trying to make relationships because they feel that it, it will they will gain success through networking. But at the end of the day, I've, I've known some very successful people and I've, I've met friends of who are friends with other very successful people, but just because you're, you're friends with this super successful person doesn't mean they're going to give you money. doesn't mean that they're going to introduce you to all of their connections. In fact, what I found most of the time is that they will dangle the things that they can offer uh, in terms of benefits by being friends with them. And in some ways, some of them actually get addicted to people worshiping them as, as an idol, as the successful person. And so I've, I've only reached out to find the people that I need when I needed them. So I realized, oh, I need somebody to, to, to be an ops manager to actually run the business for me because it was taking too much of my time. It took me maybe a year and a half to realize I, there was even such a thing that I needed to hire somebody to actually run the daily operations. I didn't even know that was a, a thing because I, I didn't go to university. I didn't get a business a BA degree or any of that. So I had to figure a lot of this out just through trial and error and, and through intuition. And and the the other thing is just to, to listen to your gut is uh, especially when I when I interviewed with Connor who ended up being somebody I promoted to be CEO of the company and to run it is in that first interview is just I had this gut feeling of like wow this this guy gets it we we have this similar way of thinking he's he's different from a, a typical employee that you might hire who just sees it as a nine to five job and I I knew that's somebody I wanted to work with and that was that was a gut feeling. And so that's my biggest thing is listen to your gut feeling, uh, hire fast, uh, and fire fast and firing fast can be really hard, but sometimes you, you end up being stuck in relationships where you're afraid to get rid of somebody because you, you're afraid that they might damage the business. And that ends up becoming a very destructive relationship, which it can be with personal or business. And the, the best thing is always you have to bite the bullet. Um, I wrote a great blog post on the drama triangle. Uh, I would I highly advise uh, maybe 
search my name, Cody drama triangle and, and check that out because I, it was actually through a friend. I was in this relationship with this partner where I realized I was, I was bringing in this lawyer to try and mediate our disagreements. And, uh, I ended up a, a coach made me realize that way I had created this drama triangle where my, my lawyer was the rescuer. I was being, I was the victim. And then my partner was the persecutor. And once I, once I saw this, I took myself out of the, the persecutor I'm a, of, of the victim. I told myself, I'm not going to be the victim anymore. And I changed the roles. And I said, you know, enough is enough uh, where I'm going to end the relationship. And then things were way much more successful from there. But I had to get over that initial fear of if I get rid of this, this person that is not contributing to the business or to me in any positive way, that it could mean the end of the business. And that was just a risk that I had to take. And so in, inevitably, you think uh, I, I'm, I'm against risk. You know, I think a lot of people think of entrepreneurs as, as uh, very risky types, but I would say I'm very risk averse. So I make calculated decisions and I, I only search for people and I hire people and I network for people when I need them. I'm not constantly expending all of my energy networking and finding people and trying to think of how can I use my network to my advantage? Because all the time you have to be focused on what you're doing and you know just kind of putting your head down and just doing the work. Well, now would seem a perfect time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy. So how do you know which ones are worth your hard earned money? Simple, you go to www nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates and explore the products and services that i recommend will transform improve and evolve your life i've set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies and will recommend those products books you should read and tools i think you should buy i only recommend products i've tried or believe in and all reviews and recommendations are 100 percent honest Furthermore, on this page, you'll find any decent and suitable special offers, listener-exclusive deals, and discount codes that I'm sent. There really is something for everyone here. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, a special occasion, or for someone else, you can find whatever you need here. There's a wide range of companies showcased on the page. The companies that'll make you a better athlete, a better lover, a better man, better basically in all areas of your life. You can access the page again by going to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. If you're on a post itself, you can click the graphic. That'll take you straight there. Or if you're on the website homepage, you can click on affiliate deals in the blue ribbon at the top of the website homepage. Now, it depends when you might listen to this. It might actually be red now. Please note that I do not receive any information on what you uh, buy. I also don't get any information on you as a person or your preferences, etc. The company sent me a small thank you as a commission for sending you to shop with them via my links. This does not inflate the price you pay and it usually allows me to help showcase cheaper options that if you bought directly from them as affiliates are usually allowed into special deals, lower prices and so much more. All your information is safe and secure with the company and nothing is shared with me. So have at it and enjoy these deals. Now, let's get back to the interview. No, I really like that because you get to a point, though, don't you, where you can sometimes get so engrossed into the situation and into the business that you can't see the wood for the trees. That you sometimes, you know, we, we need to remember that we can't ask for help and other people that can analyze the situation without emotion and remove the sort of like the rose tinted specs that we both wear when we're sort of competing against each other and realize that there is a problem and to fix it. And just that mindset change can be all you need to sort of go into it. 
I'm, I'm really impressed at how you sort of look at this, especially for a sort of younger guy. I mean, I'm 37 and it took me years to kind of, to get to even close to the kind of outlook that you have. I mean, I'm desperate to make this into a business that like they take the podcast and become full time and doing that. I mean, I work full time as well. Mm. And it's such a difference between have a brother who's an entrepreneur and then I see I work in a university and I see the difference in the kind of mindsets and the different people, you know, he's creating it, his own business where we're paid a wage, you know, and most people are just yeah. happy to then go home and watch TV. It's it's a strange kind of, it's a different mindset. And it's, it's strange to kind of get the people to understand that for people who are listening, who want to create a business, but you know, do a full-time job. Would you advise burning your bridge, leaving your job and going, or would you advise Kane, you know, start, starting something small and building it from there? You know, is there a set plan that you think works at all on this, or is it really just a bit of luck finding that market that you have the skill set to exploit almost? So I think that's kind of on a case by case basis. As you know, I've been asked like whether a kid should uh, quit college to go start a business and i, I can't certainly advise that uh, i i advise it's whatever really feels hard. right to you you know and and when i was running my my web hosting businesses it was it, it wasn't like an, an instant success you know it was i'm feeling drawn towards starting this i'm going to start this and it, it wasn't because i was smarter than everybody else but really at the end of the day as you said like you know some people they have jobs they come down they watch tv and for me when i'm when i was this kid i had this huge vision in my head of, of all these things i wanted to have and and these things i wanted to prove to others so i i didn't have to spend a lot of time thinking about what was motivating me but it was it created this fire within me and when i had the business for for many years it was it really didn't go anywhere it was growing little bit by little bit you know and then at some point it was it was able to grow leaps and bounds but i would just really say that it, it ended up being that i just spent a lot more time thinking about these things than most people you know whenever it was like evening time when most people would be say playing video games or, or watching tv and, and of course i did get into these ruts i got into these ruts where i would burn out and i really really wouldn't want to do any work but in the in the in the other times i was always thinking about i would be looking at our competitors i would be doing competitive research i would be studying, I would be taking courses about SEO and analytics and marketing that I would just find online or on YouTube. And I would just watch that. And I would just collect this information. And I, I learned this information, not because I was going through a school. You know, I think that's the other thing is that we, we end up going to school and you get taught all this information, but you can't apply it instantly. And so I would only learn what I needed to know in order to do the thing that I felt like I needed to do. And the example I give is like uh, writing a press release is like, I was maybe 16 when I wrote my first press press release and I didn't even know what they were. But all I did is I saw that other hosting companies were writing them. And then I looked at one as an, as an example, and I just wrote my own and I, I distributed it myself. And I did all that. I didn't hire anybody else. I didn't take a course. I didn't go to school on how to write a press release. You know, it was something where I, I learned the bare minimum that I needed to know in order to, to make an effective action. And I did the same with Google AdWords, with Google Analytics. You know, it's so easy to become totally overwhelmed by all the things you feel like you need to know. And if I, if I had needed to, when I was starting the support ninja, you know, as I'm creating a multinational company in a third world country. And I thought at first I was overwhelmed with, oh my God, I need to learn all these, all the, all the labor laws. I need to learn how to deal with, with 
inter foreign country taxes and, and laws and stuff. And it ended up being, I didn't need to learn all that stuff because I ended up finding other people who knew that stuff. And then they would simply advise me, you know? And so all those fears I had, I, it, it, they never came to fruition. And I think the, the, the most important thing was that I just spent more time thinking about the business. So if you have a business, but you're, you're still watching TV and you're still playing Xbox and all these things, maybe it's, it's not going to, it's not going to grow. And then at some point you're going to lose motivation because you feel like it's not going anywhere. But if you're, if you're able to divide your maker, as, as Paul Graham said in his essay, maker versus manager, you have to divide up your time between making your creation and then managing your creation. And for me, the, the, the making was in the evening, I would, whenever the, the phone calls and that chats were died down from the, my existing customers is I would learn what I needed to know in order to make progress, you know. And I think little bit by little bit is you have to you have to catch up with all of the things that is is maintaining your business. But then you have to grow. You have to to, to leap by finding out what are the things outside of my comfort zone that I'm not familiar with that I can then apply to the business to then make it more successful. And through that, I ended up finding niches. I, I learned about like web hosting as there was a niche of, of video hosting. People wanted to have YouTube websites and it wasn't very common. So I decided to go into hosting into that and it was a risk, but it ended up paying off in the end. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, we all have the same 24 hours, you know, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, all these guys who've done like amazing stuff, like even Usain Bolt and all these like sports stars and all, everybody goes, oh, I could never be like them. But they all spent time, you know, grinding away, pushing, you know, learning the information, finding the little things that gives them an extra 1% to get better and better and push to it. And we've all got the same amount of time. It's how you spend your time. It's the effort you spend, the, the attention you spend. So how do you approach each of these businesses? Do you go in with a set plan that I'm going to set the values here? I'm going to then create my you know executive board you know do you have like a step-by-step process that you could start a business right now and step-by-step you'd have it so that you could just set it and go and put somebody in place to run it and you know you could then focus on something else or is it a case that every business is different you have to find the the ethos the culture the personnel it all depends on the market and location and that sort of thing I, I think if you go into business thinking that you're going to build like a, a, a the four hour work week business that was you know motivated and and uh, distributed by the by Tim Ferriss's first book, uh, I don't think that's going to work uh, because you end up feeling like. You end up creating something that you think can be self-sustaining and generate you money without you having to do any input. But the truth is, is that Tim Ferriss got rid of his business before he sold the book or shortly after he published it. He doesn't even run it anymore. You know, he got out of running and maintaining businesses because it's a, it's a headache. You still have to manage it. And again, it's still in the back of your head. And so the, the idea of generating something, of creating something so that you can then have other people manage it, I think that's a falsehood. And I don't think that would work. You have to go in with, with a full level of commitment that this is going to be your full-time thing. You're going to, you're going to eat, live and breathe everything about this business. 
And, and really for much of my life, every time when I had a business, that's all I thought about. And it was only after I sold the business that I started to go into personal development, that I started to pick up what good habits are, or what it means to eat good food, uh, what it means to, to live a, a good and a, and a happy life and not just uh, live in this false reality where I was sacrificing my happiness because I told myself I'm going to work hard now and then be happy when I'm uh, really old. Uh, because it, it doesn't work like that. You know, you, it's your body, your stress, uh, it's going to catch up to you at some point. And you have to have a, a really strong why about why you're creating this this financial thing. You know, even for the podcast, they think it's, it's possible to create a podcast and it's possible to 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 gain, uh, to, to be able to support yourself independently from the podcast, but it's certainly not an easy road. And I think Andrew Warner does it best with Mixergy where he charges a, a monthly subscription and there's there's Paul Grammer at this essay where he said you're one thousand. He said you're one thousand true fans, and I think if you can get to that point, it doesn't matter uh, how many people you have following. Uh, if you have one thousand people who truly care about what you do, you can make a living off of that. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't create something with the intention of having of giving the reins to somebody else down the road. I only ended up doing that whenever I, I felt overwhelmed, like whenever I was spending too time, too much time in the managing mode and not uh, enough time in the creative mode, because it's the creative mode where I found that most of the, the energy uh, that I was able to get. Uh, came from because you feel like you're making progress, you know, and it's it's hard as somebody who's if you're just sitting there and you're you're say you're, you're as a part of your job is you're answering emails all day, you feel like you're not making progress, uh, and. And so I think for me, making progress has always been contributing to my business in some way where I was, I was adding some level of growth, whether it's like in the, the marketing front uh, or the website uh, or the operations or creating processes or something along that nature. No, I'm really glad you said that because I get that the whole time as people say, oh no, the four hour work week, I can just create a business to set it and then it'll make me money on the side and I don't need to touch it and I see this the whole time as like people starting a business, they have a great idea, but they don't want to work at it. You know, it's easier to be an entrepreneur on a business card than it is to actually sit and do two, three in the morning chasing up because your server's gone down or dealing with a problem with a client who's been a pain in the arse or, you know, and it's, it's like you're saying, you need to be the man- the creator, but also the manager as well. And there's t- not enough people who are willing to do that because they've got the easy life to fall back on. It's, oh, I'll just go check Instagram. Okay, it didn't go anywhere. Back in the, you know, you, you got to a situation where you didn't have that to fall back on. You know, can that be created, do you think? I mean, uh, how can you fix a, a business that gets to that situation where you know they lose the reputation they lose their customers can you pull a business back from that situation or once it's kind of fact is that over mm. you know like that situation you had with your previous um i know what i'd like to call them but a former business partner how did you kind of can a business be pulled back from the rim in that way uh, and in pretty much every case, I had to start over. I had to either sell the business or I had to leave the business. Uh, and, and whenever I was able to sell my my web hosting company and I was able to get actual money out of it, uh, the, the reasons behind it, uh, you know, like the company acquiring me, 
they they didn't see the the revenue or the customer the number of new customers as a problem but for me i felt like it was actually declining and i felt like i was losing steam and i i had made a lot of mistakes especially with pricing by offering steeper and steeper discounts i was i was actually competing on price and it got to a point where a, a large portion of my customers were actually costing me more money and operations and, and having to hire agents to support them so i was actually losing money on a lot of my customers and i just couldn't change the pricing model at that point because they would just be outraged you know i had positioned myself in a certain market and to change the market you know i, I know like target Target did that a long time ago. It was uh, Macy's or one of the companies is that they they were offering uh, they 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 kept the same pricing in their in their department stores, but instead of saying uh, we're having a twenty percent off sale, they just got rid of the sale and they felt like being honest with their customers that you know we we're not having a, a fake twenty percent off sale all year round. Here are our our, our actual mm-hmm. prices. Is their sales declined? Like they they had to go back to offering the fake twenty percent off sale all the time. So that's why often you go into stores, they're off, they're, they always have some kind of sale going on because it's been shown to increase price, I mean, to, to increase uh, foot traffic and sales. And I, I couldn't just stop offering low prices. Uh, you know, I, I, I guarantee you Walmart's not going to increase their prices overnight because they would just lose so much business. And that's kind of what I, I put myself, I put myself into a bad position and I've, I spent a lot of time trying to dig myself out, but eventually it's just like, you feel like you're in a sand pit and you just, you, you keep digging, you keep going faster and faster to try and unfuck yourself. And it's just not working. And, and the large majority of circumstances, you know, maybe you can fix it in some perspective, but in some ways you're also fighting your own emotions because you feel, you may feel a, a, a level of, of, disrespect towards yourself of like, how did you end up in the situation? How did you have a shitty business partner? How did you get a point where you're, you're losing money? And then you start panicking of like, oh, I need to get money. I need to raise money from friends and family. I need to, to figure out how to fix the situation. You know, in some ways you can have this unrealistic level of optimism that can just f- further fuck you. And I'm not saying it's true for everybody. I think it's really circumstantial. But in my own personal experience, I found whenever I'm in these situations, the best thing is just to walk away. Um, Even if you're having to to cut your losses, you know, I think uh, Tim Ferriss has this great fear setting exercise where you really write down, what am I most afraid of for this big decision? You know, whether it's to quit my job and travel the world, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I think that's a good idea, a good good thought exercise to do, uh, even if you're in a situation where you have a business and you feel like you're stuck in a rut and you're not sure what to do is to just ask yourself what's the worst that can happen and kind of weigh that against what are the pros that could happen is like well i could go back to school i could start another business with full energy and kind of starting anew because it's always that that clean slate that it really kind of can give a, a really like refreshing feeling and even after i sold my my company for a while as i walked away from even doing businesses in the first place i really devoted my time towards like my my self-development, like learning. I started learning meditation, eating the right foods and kind of learning a lot of these foundational skills behind what it means to, to live a good life has further enhanced my ability to to then have an impact on probably really what my my current success is today with a business that's that's easily 10 times more successful in the past three and a half years than any of my businesses were combined. It's, it's, it's really good that you said that because I think we do get so focused on this is my baby. I'm going to make it successful. I'm going to push myself and I can't give it up. And this is my dream and this is my why. You know, and people kind of sometimes need to stay and go and take the emotion away and just look and say, 
no, it's not working. What, what's my fallback? Um, is it like the maybe actually Ferris had said it as well about the some of the Romans used to wear like eat very you know like peasant food and and uh, wear like rough robes and stuff like that because they wanted to see what the worst case scenario was and then live that situation so they knew that it it was never that bad and I think we sometimes keep fighting the good fight so to speak and we don't realize we're actually hurting ourselves we're screwing ourselves over by trying to flog a dead horse almost. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to keep fixing something that's never going to work, but we have become so tied up in it, we don't look at it in a, at a true evaluation, you know, a true analysis of it. So how do you then set your week? You know, because you've created so many amazing businesses, but can you go in a little bit about your habits? You know, how do you create these? Like, are you, do you have such a thing as a sort of uh, routine? You know, you mentioned about meditation, journaling, these sort of things. How do you set up your week so that you make sure you work on the business, that you get to your self-care stuff that you need to do, you get a social life? How, you know, how do you juggle these things and what kind of habits really work best for you? For people listening who really want to sort of be like you, what kind of things work for you? Like what tools do you use? I think you mentioned to-do list in another interview and wonder list, those sort of things. Yeah. Uh, so, so right now I'm actually using a, a to-do app called Things 3 uh, and it's a, it's a Mac app specifically, but I think uh, really software and apps, it's, it's not the, it's not the tools, it's the mindset because I've tried doing so many things. Like I, when I, when I was younger, I, I bought a Kindle because I thought that would make me read books. And I, I guarantee buying a Kindle is not going to make you read a lot of books. You really have to set the habit in the first place. There's been so many instances where I, I decided to spend thousands of dollars buying this DSLR camera because I thought, okay, I needed the camera in order to start taking really good photographs. And that's like totally not the case. I went on, on a safari in Africa once with this world famous photographer and he had an iPhone 4S and he would always take these amazing photos with this with this iPhone and my my phone was better than his and I never even took uh, any photos with my phone because I thought I needed my DSLR and so you you tell yourself the story of of some you need x in order to do x and that is really far from the case that you, you can really almost start anything with anything that you have uh, and I would say it's better to it's better to to buy a book and get into the habit of reading books before you decide that you're going to devote say 100 bucks to Towards buying a Kindle, uh, and so the the tools are really secondary. You have to build the mental habit first. And I've I've done things. Uh, so there's there's a lot of research about let's say 21 habits, and there's like a website called 21habits.com, and there's other uh, various sites where you can challenge yourself to commit to to certain habit building, and then trying hold yourself accountable by having other people uh, effectively take money from you if you don't meet the success or challenge. For me, it's it's odd because I've had this material success, and for me, I've never really been motivated by like losing a hundred dollars or two. $200 um, is, is that's happened to me. And the problem is I'm also my own boss. So I, I've had my, I tried to have my assistant hold me accountable to a challenge or a habit. And at the end of the day, it's like, they, they would not charge me money, even though I bet myself a thousand dollars because, well, I'm their boss, you know, it's an unfair uh, balance in the mm-hmm. situation, but uh, a lot of it was just coming to this deep realization of, 
of realizing, of, of having an, an, an epiphany of I want to improve, I need to do better. And a lot of us, ha- a lot of us have these feelings, but we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about them. We just sort of like drift through through life. And so the example I would give is say uh, a lot of us, you know, we, we want to lose weight. We want to have that that really neat physical appearance and we'll, we'll take a diet pill. It doesn't work. We try changing our food for a little bit. It doesn't work. And we go back to what we're common, what we're used to doing. And it really takes a certain level of commitment. And so I actually started to change my diet and I started to exercise really like what I did is I, I, I took my shirt off in front of the mirror and I looked at myself and I, I didn't like what I saw. And I spent a lot of time, I, I pinched my fat. I like looked at myself from different angles. I flexed my, my bicep and I told myself I can do better than this. And I connected that to what, what do I want is I, I, I want to have the self-confidence of being able to, to jog with my shirt off. And I know I could do that right now. There's a lot of uh, fatter guys than me that I've seen jog with their shirts off. And I know in their head, they're thinking that they had to get over a lot of anxiety to get to, to, get, to, to, get to that point. And I've seen... I've I've seen chubby guys that, uh, especially as like when I was young, I would always wear a shirt and I was an overweight chubby kid. And so I always had this level of self-consciousness. And now I realize today is that if you go into a pool, if, if you're chubby and you go into a pool with your shirt on, everybody knows you're self-conscious. But if even if you're chubby, mm-hmm. but you go into a pool and you don't have a shirt on, nobody gives two shits because nobody really has any time to think about other people. Right. And even knowing that it's still hard to, to get that level of self-confidence that you need to either go on to, to go on dates, to, to do all these things that you, you feel like you want to, but you can't get yourself to do. And so for me, it's really, again, it's, it's not because I'm a smart, even when it comes back to, to the businesses is being successful in business, eventually finding that niche. You know, I may have a business for four years, but it may take me two years to, find the niche that's going to, to really skyrocket the growth. And meanwhile, you're having to sit there kind of uh, plundering away for two years before you find that that success point. And whenever it comes to any goals or habits in your life, you really have to, to, to sit there and, and think with yourself, be with your thoughts, and actually find out what is your underlying reason? Why do you want to lose this weight? What is that connected to? You know, you, you don't just want to lose weight because you see other people on Instagram have this, this great body and you want that. That's not a great enough motivation. Uh, and, you know, and David Foster Wallace, who's, who's, who's great. Uh, he quoted, you know, we all worship something. We all worship either, either success or we, we worship, uh, money. And in some ways we all have a God, whether or not you believe in an actual God or not. And, and it's really just spending a lot of time. Th- it's really hard to describe, but it's like spending a lot of time thinking about what are your true inner desires and making sure that your inner values really align with with how you spend your time. And so for me, it's always been personal development. I, I, I feel a, a lot of my happiness is dependent on how productive I was and am I growing, am I learning? And so that kind of put down to like three various habits of meditation, exercise, and reading. So I try and do all three of those things on a daily basis. Uh, and if I can do all of those things, then even if I felt like I wasn't productive that day, there is still a little voice in my head that can kind of pat myself on the back because at least I did those things. And even if I didn't do those things, maybe I made my bed that day. You know, I can still be grateful for that. And that could be really tough sometimes, but to, to, to have, to have created these habits where I'm able to exercise and I'm I'm just rambling at this point, but um, it's possible, you know, and and the thing, the thing is I got to a point where I was exercising every day, I would run and then I would go to the gym is that I would actually feel 
it would actually be like a really bad feeling if I didn't exercise. It's sort of like the opposite of if you, you know, the, the feeling of, you know, you should go to the gym, but you can't get yourself to, to go to the gym versus being able to go to the gym every day. It's actually a struggle to not work out because you eventually develop the opposite of that habit. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> no, that, that makes complete sense to me because I'm definitely, uh, from my side of the family, they've been very negative. They've always been the kind of depression, the sort of the jealousy, the comparison to other people and stuff like that. And it's it's really difficult to kind of sometimes to look after yourself and set habits and not judge ourselves and compare ourselves, especially in a society where we compare our entire lives to other people's self-picked, very kind of controlled highlights that they put on social media and we've sort of grown up into a thing where we're always competing, even though we don't know it. Even as kids, you know, it's like, oh, so-and-so had a better toy than me. So-and-so's birthday party was bigger than mine. And we don't know it then, and we kind of find it as an adults. And we need to look after ourselves to be healthy. You know, and it's. I think you've got a great idea there of those sort of three kind of rules that you set, that like these things that you look after, and it's a successful day if you achieve those three you know, you don't, you take away the pressure, you take away the stress, you know, you don't need to make a multi-million pound business decision. You just need to exercise, meditate. You know I mean? It's, you've taken away that pressure. I think those are three great habits for everybody listening to sort of follow. Um, Something I did want to touch on, I know we've gone way over time, but have you found anything, any sort of golden rules about marketing and sales that work? Because one of the things I did like, somebody told me, you're not selling the product. You're selling the person a story about how it's going to change them. You're selling them like a dream or a, um, yeah, very like Apple a, you know, how it's going to better their life. Yeah, but that reminds me of Apple. You know, I think Apple kind of started that idea of selling like the lifestyle instead of selling the features. Whereas today, you still have like Samsung and LG and like all the phone manufacturers. They still sell the features, but uh, whenever Apple has any of their commercials, they never talk about how many megapixels the the camera has or you know what the they, they don't even tell you what the RAM uh, or the CPU is. You know, you really have to dig into the tech specs for that, uh, and, and that that goes to under people's underlying motivations. Uh, so, so I want to jump on a, on a previous point and saying one of like the, the best productivity hacks is if you can commit to yourself to just use a notebook, not not use any like fancy uh, to-do list software, but find just a regular notebook and just for a week, challenge yourself that write down the three things that you want to do for that day. And if you can just do that, even if you just do like the first thing, just give yourself a little self-compassion and say like, okay, I, if I leave my desk right now, I can be happy with myself. And if you can do that, then I guarantee after a week, you will see so much more growth in your productivity. Um, I'm also using a, a great service called focusmate.com. And it's a, it's an app that connects you with other people where you're sharing each other's web cameras. And it's, it, it's ad, it, it creates this weird social accountability where uh, you, you're able to sit there and you're able to, to, to commit with intention that for the next 15 minutes, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do this thing that I know I should be doing, but I can't get myself to do without having this strange person looking at me through a webcam. And it's a really weird, uh, interesting thing, but I found it to be effective, not all the time, but it still helps versus, especially if you're somebody that works at home or you're, you're not working in an office where you're not motivated by people around you. Uh, so w whenever it comes to answering our second question with, with marketing is that 
I'd say it's uh, it's always been fake it till you make it. You know, and the in the first example I gave with Support Ninja is I actually faked that we had an outsourcing operation, and I pretended that you know because if I had told them like, oh yeah, I'm just starting this, you'd be my very first client, and I've I haven't even been to the country that I'm pretending that we have a lot of agents in then I never would have gotten a client to begin with. And even when I was my hosting businesses is that I was actually pretending, I would actually pretend to be a regular customer service agent. And then if they would ask for the manager, then I would just pretend I would have to sign in on another browser and I would just transfer the the, the, the client to myself, who is the then manager or the then owner. And I had to do that because if I had just been one of those one man hosting accounts that was just like, I'm a one man operation and I gave people that impression, you know, maybe that would have won some people over because they thought, well, they're going to, he's going to give me more attention because he's running it by himself. But I think that would have given a lot of other people way, way too much anxiety that, you know, it's one person, you know, I can't possibly expect mm-hmm. my business to run reliably with one person. And so I always sort of faked it is I, I looked at what did I need to, to do to, to, to appear to be successful. And then even though I had a fake it, sometimes I tried not to, to cross any unethical boundaries. Maybe there was a fake review here and there, but for the most part, it was trying to just to be as ethical as possible, but as well as like faking it till you make it. And I think that's the very broad generalization, very broad advice, not something too specific, but I found that advice to really be uh, super, super helpful uh, to at least help me start going, especially if you're very early and very new at the game. I mean, well, I know we're sort of at least 60 minutes over our time, but I'm, I'm really has, I don't want to like take up too much of your time. I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying chatting. I, I, we haven't even gone into depth into any of this or stuff, but you wrote an amazing book. You run in a, a fabulous podcast. I've been listening to so many. That's like, you'll see your stats shoot up to this week because I've been really listening to so many of them. But, oh, thank you. you know, where the... Like therapeutic almost is writing the book. Did that help you come to terms with what happened when you were younger? Has the you know speaking to all these different people and the different episodes, has it let you come to terms with dealing with that knob end who, you know, who caused that hassle with the other business? Have has has this now that you've made the success helped you come to terms with? you as a person that what you're doing in life has it made you happier is it kind of made you accept what's happened in, in a way has it helped with the sort of the therapy and that sort of thing you're doing like changing that mindset and understanding that you are successful that you are loved that you are like liked and that you can be the person that you wish you were or you know what was the sort of emphasis behind the book and did it help you by writing it out yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I wouldn't say it had a, a tremendous impact uh, in, in how I viewed my, my past. It didn't change much in terms of, of how I viewed it, of how I viewed my mother and the people in my life. I, I do try and have a philosophy of, of forgive, but never forget, you know, and I've had people where I, I even bad business partners is I, I forgive them. Um, but I also am at a point where I can recognize that, you know, even if you meet a dick who is, who is a complete asshole to you and you hate him and you just don't want to have anything to do with him, is is there is still a way where you can have a level of self-compassion for um, recognizing, say, that bully in school. They're, they're probably not doing too well in life right now. 
but they were probably a bully because they had their own insecurities and they were not in a right environment to deal with them. And so in some ways I make a judgment against uh, other people who do bad things is that they probably were not in the right circumstances. Now, of course, am I saying that just because you are raped as a kid, does that give you the right to rape somebody as an adult? Certainly it does not. Uh, but there are a lot of people who go through uh, tremendously horrible circumstances as a child and they don't commit those offenses onto others as an adult. Uh, but it, whenever it does come to a case, it, I, I try and have a level of self-compassion for them because it doesn't do me any good to hold this person and, and just, just hate them because it expends more mental energy that I could be utilizing towards myself and towards the others that I want to have a positive impact on life. Uh, and so, you know, it goes back is like, I, I didn't, I, I didn't view I didn't, it didn't, having the book didn't change much, but I felt like I wanted to write the book because I had gone through such incredible circumstances, you know, not like the super crazy circumstances compared to a lot of others, but certainly more than the average person. And I felt like I wanted to write the book because I wanted it to serve as kind of a lighthouse, as a source of inspiration to others that are going through similar circumstances. And I've tried to reach out to, to various schools and, and even other young entrepreneurs and trying being as a mentor and an advisor to help them that it doesn't that all the struggles that they're going through is that it will get better and uh, that that's really the kind of the impact that i hope to have on that and and the idea with the podcast is i, I had so many amazing conversations with so many people all around the world and I, I had so many instances where i wanted to share that conversation because i knew it would have a positive impact on others and that's that was really part of the reason for for doing it is wanting to have these amazing conversations like we're having now and also as a networking opportunity and and, and this is funny but yeah it goes back to uh, the, my entrepreneurial mind of, of how to be successful in this world. And you go to a lot of networking events, inevitably you meet a lot of other entrepreneurs and other people who are at these networking events. And I really felt like it was a shit show. It was like, you know, sometimes you would end up having friends and maybe you would meet some other entrepreneur who you would connect with. But more often than not, it's you really having to like find like the flower between all the weeds uh, in some respect. And I actually see a podcast as a great way of networking. Uh, it's a very specific targeted way of networking of finding people that you really want to know that you want to connect with that you want to learn from and being able to have intimate conversations with them that in, in effect also uh, reach the goal of helping others who are who are listening into that conversation so uh those that's that, that's kind of kind of it yeah i mean you're doing a fabulous job of it and it's so good to see that you're inspiring people who are going through foster care, who are going through grief as kids, who maybe haven't had the greatest of upbringing for whatever reason. You're giving them that, you know, they can do this. You're showing people that you can't just create a business and success comes and you're happy, that, you know, you have to work on yourself as well. Uh, you can create these things without schooling. You can do that. You know, you're motivating and inspiring so many people. I mean, I, I find you such a nice guy that, and it's amazing to see what you've done and how you're kind of open and honest and dealing with these things. And your podcast is fabulous. You know, the book is brilliant. It's, it's something I care, like people need to be checking out more of your stuff. You know, you need to be helping get schools and things like that because you can inspire and help so many young people. And I don't think you could probably say a better compliment than that, you know, that you can give back and help others and be that person that people can look at and go, yeah, that's the kind of person I want to be. I know it's difficult to kind of believe that about yourself, but it's, 
that's what I like about this podcast is getting to chat to people like you who can make me realize that there is more to life than sitting in a pub and getting bored or, you know, going home and watching TV and wishing I could do stuff that you can actually go and do stuff. And the podcast let you speak to some amazing people, but also have an amazing audience who want to be better and learn. And, you know, they find you because you're the kind of person they want to to follow and deal with. And I think that's why your pop, you know, your podcast is so successful. Your website's so successful. Um, I know we're well over time. I can only apologize, mm-hmm. but can, um, just as a sort of a way to wrap up, I and mean, I'd love to have you back on again and yeah, really go into specifics fun. about business and stuff. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, what would you want people to take from this? How would you want them to, it's a sort of like a go home message. If they could remember one thing, how would you sum it up? Can it be summed up in one thing? Mm. The, the thing that comes to me is is a great author also also here in Austin, Texas, is uh, Ryan Holiday, who wrote the book uh, "The Obstacle mm-hmm. Is the Way," and uh, that, I think that that's a great idea. Where he has in the beginning of the book is there is a story of this of the of, of there is a bunch of gold underneath this huge stone and there's a, a bunch of people tried to move it and they couldn't move the stone. So then they just went around it. But then one guy found a, a stick and he used that as leverage to move the stone and he got to the gold. And it, and it just shows like a lot of uh, things that we want in life. It, it's, it's an obstacle and we have to learn to stick with the uncomfortable feeling because no level of personal growth of success is ever really going to be handed to you unless it's like the lottery, in which case I guarantee you're not going to be any more happier in that situation than if you had actually fought to, to gain that success. Uh, and so it's, it's just... It's a it's a willingness to be uncomfortable to experience a, a, a le- levels of 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 stress of having to to really push yourself to your limits and and finding out what are the things that you really want to do being being able to sit with yourself and ask yourself what are the things that you really want to do in life and then really figuring out how to do that because it's so easy to just let life pass us by because we have so much limited time on this earth and we we waste so much of it uh, myself included. And so it's just trying to optimize that time, but not becoming too obsessed about optimizing. I think it's optimization efficiency. Uh, it's 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 way too overhyped. But uh, it's 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 sitting with yourself, with your emotions, finding out what do you want to do. I know it's a generalized statement, but uh, I, I like. Uh, I think if you haven't read his book, The Obstacle Is the Way, it's a good starting point uh, about figuring out. Um, what are the obstacles you're avoiding in your life, and how can you start on the path towards uh, towards reach, reaching uh, reaching them, finding that pot of gold? Oh, very well put. I, I really like that. And so the final one before we jump on and do round two at some point in the future, which definitely has to happen. You know, for those people listening, how can they find out more about you? Where can they find your podcast, your website, your social media? How can they find support, Ninja? How can they get in touch, work with you, those sort of things? Yeah, they could just visit me on my website, CodyMcLean.com. That's C-O-D-Y-M-C-L-A-I-N.com. And I assume you'll have it linked in the show notes. Uh, and I also have a, have a weekly digest email I send out uh, called the Mindhack Digest, which I'm trying to figure out how to work that. Uh, but mostly it's like interesting articles related to psychology and motivation uh, as, as well as productivity. And uh, and yet there I also have the Mindhack podcast, mindhack.com. 
Well, I didn't even want to go into the newsletter because I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I've, I've shared a few links myself. It's, it certainly helped me sort of, it's almost like you're reading my mind about the stuff that I want to work on that I need to help fix mm-hmm. and like, you know, the kind of deeper dive stuff. And it's, it's good to see that there is a side of people trying to better themselves as much as better their business. And we only see the success of people, you know, like they made such and such a million pound deal, but we never see them actually struggling and how they got there and how they got through their demons and how they became the person that could make those deals. And I think that's what's great about your business and the way you do other things is you actually show behind the scenes, you show the struggles, the problems, and you're very open and honest and the book helps and it's going to inspire a lot of people. Yeah, who are going through much, like hardship um and i think you're doing a fabulous job and you know it's um i can it's you made me a fan of business i, <laughs> I was never quite into that you made me realize what can be achieved from life and i think that's that's a great, a great way um the floor is open to you just now is there anything coming up any episodes um, that you want people to check out is there a a particular conference or something that you're going to be speaking at that you want to promote? Uh, well, uh, on the podcast, I, I interviewed Robert Green, uh, who is a author of 48 Laws of Power. So looking forward to having that in the, in the next month or so. Uh, and, and otherwise, no, I mean, that's this mostly it. Just kind of, uh, again, it's, you know, sometimes you have these these points in your life where you have the these huge obstacles that you're really trying to, to grapple and other times you know things slow down so you have to be willing to go through these periods where sometimes it's going really fast and other times it's going really slow and so you know the only thing at the moment is just the the robert green interview which i was which was a great interview to, to be able to interview him and uh and otherwise it's just grinding away working at a little bit by a little bit on on other areas of life of self-development and and the business That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.